This week I saw a CNN news special about a man who identifies as a woman named Angel and about a woman who identifies as a man and she calls herself, she's named Sebastian. And Angel and Sebastian, they are married, they're legally married and, and not only are they married, but they became pregnant. The woman who identifies as a man conceived from the man who identifies as a woman and they actually delivered a son. And for this Father's Day weekend, the news special was on how Sebastian, the woman who is calling herself a man, was trying to raise the son as his father. And that was the point of the story. The, the story goes that after she breastfed the son, after he was weaned, she surgically had her breasts removed. She started he, uh, hormone therapy. She actually now has a beard. And I was watching that. That is national news, and it is a Father's Day story. Can you imagine? That is a Father's Day story. Now, be sure today, that is crazy. That is absolutely crazy. That is absolutely absurd. I can't begin to tell you all of the problems with that story. But I also be sure today, listen, that is the reality that is the new normal, and whatever we might think of that, that is the result of living, embracing any other truth but the Word of God. Now, we hear that, and we say, well, how? We say, how could that be? How did, how did we ever get here as a society? How did we ever get here as a culture? Listen to me. Embracing any other truth other than the Word of God, and this is our new reality. But also listen to me this morning. It's not just embracing any truth other than the Word of God. It is also neglecting the truth of the Word of God. And listen to that very carefully. It's not just embracing any other truth other than the Word of God. It is also neglecting the truth of the Word of God. Now what I mean by that is this. Today as Christians, as those who are professing faith in Jesus Christ, most of us, we would never say that that is okay. We would never say that that is acceptable. We would, in fact, say that is anti-biblical. But also, when we, when we fail to, to uphold and to teach the truth of God's Word in our homes, listen, our result is not going to be much different. And so understand, whether we embrace a false truth or whether we just neglect God's truth, the result is going to be disastrous. Today it is Father's Day 2018. Our message this morning is entitled, The Word for Fathers. The Word for Fathers. We have one verse today. It's in Ephesians chapter 6. It's verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6 today, verse 4. The Word for fathers. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the reverence and the honor and the celebration of the reading of the Word of God. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Listen to that again. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. We're thankful 
We're so thankful for you, our, our gracious God. We're so thankful for our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're thankful for our salvation, the forgiveness, the, re, the forgiveness of our sins, the redemption that's given to us through the, the cross of Calvary. We praise our Savior, Jesus. We're thankful now for, for the family that you put together, your plan. We're thankful for fathers today on this day that we celebrate. We're thankful for the word of God that leads us in all of those things to know our God, to receive our Savior, to bless our homes and to stand as dads. And so we turn today to the truth of your word. I pray that you would speak. I pray that it would be supernatural. I pray that it would impact us as men and as women today. We would be impacted by the truth of the word of God. Lord, we tell you this, we love you. We do worship you. We submit this to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today it is Father's Day, and so technically this is a Father's Day sermon. It is a message for fathers. But before all of the females today check out this morning, uh, I want to tell you I believe it is important for you to hear what God says to your husbands, to your sons, to your dads, to your, to your sons-in-laws, it is important for you to know as a female, I believe that. I believe it's important for you to know this is God's standard for a godly, God-honoring father. You see, the truth today is not only has this been lost on men today, not only do men no longer know what a godly man, what a godly father looks like, but women today also have lost sight of what a godly husband, a godly dad looks like. And the culture has lied to them as well. And Satan has lied to them as well. And so I want to tell you, all of us, I believe, today need to hear this message. Again, the word for fathers. For our verse today, the context is, is very important. The context is very telling for us today. It's a big deal. Paul, the apostle Paul, he writes this letter. He's later in his life. Most likely at this time, he's in prison in Rome. And he writes this letter to the church in Ephesus. It was a church that he started by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how you start a church on his second missionary journey. It was a church that he led as their pastor for some three and a half years in the midst of his third missionary journey. And so this was a church that he knew the good news, the gospel had been proclaimed. This was a church that he had labored in. This is a church that he had invested in. These were a people that he had loved and cared for. Ephesus was a wealthy city. It was a trading city. There was a port there. It was a business city. They were a materialistic city. There was a, a culture of materialism there in the city. And they enjoyed their wealth. And they enjoyed the pursuit of wealth. And so it is a materialistic city. Not only that, this city loved sports. The ruins of the city now, there is the ruins of a great stadium that was there. There is the ruins now still Remnants of a great gymnasium that was there. There's also remnants of many sports fields around the city. They loved competition in this city. Sports were a big deal to the culture of this city. Now, not only that, this city loved the arts. 
Maybe one of their biggest attractions was a a giant theater, a grand theater, and remnants of that are left today as well, where people would come and perform. Ephesus was also a pagan city. It was a a center for all sorts of pagan worship. Uh, The main worship there was of the Greek goddess Artemis, also known as Diana. And so there was the worship of Diana, of Artemis there. The temple there to Artemis, to Diana, is one of the seven wonders of the world. And the worship of Artemis, the the worship of Diana included deviant sexual practice and and prostitution. And there were brothels and homosexual prostitution. And there was temple sex. And all of that was part of the deviant worship of this goddess. And that was part of the culture there as well. And so see, see the picture of this city. It is a worldly city. It is a materialistic city. It is a sexually perverse city. And they love the arts there. And they love entertainment there. And they love sports there. Understand, the pleasure offerings of this world were the main attractions of this city. Sounds a lot like America today, doesn't it? Sounds a lot like the culture in which we're living today and these things press in on us, on us today and the, the materialism of the day and the self-promotion of the day and the sexual perverseness of the day and the entertainment and the arts and the sports of the day. And where the, the things of the world, the lures of the world, the ideas of the world we find are at war today with the truth of God. It was very similar in this city. And so into that, Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians. We have the letter. Now, it is a very interesting letter. The first three chapters of Ephesians are awesome chapters of deep theology. You you read these first three chapters, and it talks about who is Christ and the depth of who Christ is. It talks about who are we in Christ as those that are redeemed, as those who have been saved. Who are we in Christ? It talks about the redemption that we have through the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so these first three chapters are on a deep understanding of our gospel and of our Savior. And then the last three chapters are dealing with Christian practice. Very practically, how we are to live as Christians. You see, because the truth is this, in light of the gospel, in light of the truth of Jesus, how we live matters. In light of our salvation, in light of Jesus Christ, in light of the truth of the gospel, how we live as Christian matters. And so we're going to see here what we believe about Christ in the first three chapters shows up in how we live as Christians in the last three chapters. Today, understand how we live in this culture, it does matter. How we're living today as followers of Jesus Christ, it absolutely does matter. And into the darkness of that culture, Paul writes. He says, in these last three chapters of Christian practice, he says this. In the darkness of that culture that we're to uphold and we're to adhere to sound doctrine. Chapter 4, verse 14, it says we're not to be tossed about by every wind of doctrine. We're to hold to the biblical, the truth of God's word, the truth of God's doctrine. 
We're not to be tossed around into this dark culture. He says in, in chapter 4, verse 15, that we're to speak the truth. We're not to speak what is culturally correct. We're not to speak what is politically correct, but we're to speak the truth. We're to, we're to uphold and point to the truth. In chapter 4, verse 25, he says, lay aside every falsehood. That means be done with it. Identify it as a falsehood. Call it what it is and separate yourself from it. Lay aside every falsehood. And then he goes through some very specific calls for our Christian walk. It's very interesting, very telling the things that are included in this list. In chapter 5, he talks about wives. And he has instructions there for godly Christian wives. And then he has, he has a discussion on husbands. And he has instructions there for godly Christian husbands. And then when you start chapter 6, he has a, a, a couple verses on kids. And he gives God's instructions for, for Christian kids. And then we have our verse today on fathers. Pretty interesting what is involved in these three chapters. Pretty interesting what he includes. And then we come today to our verse on fathers. Now let me say this as we start to look at this verse today. As we begin to open up this verse, let me say this this morning. And it is the practical truth. It is the observable truth. And that is because it is the biblical truth. Listen to me. Here's the truth. As the church goes, so goes the culture. Today we talk about the, the wickedness of our culture, the vileness of our culture. We talk about all the corrupt things we see in our culture today. Listen, as the church goes, so goes the culture. But also understand, as the family goes, so goes the church. Be sure of that. As the family goes, so goes the church. And then listen, as the dad goes... So goes the family. Do you see that this morning? Do you understand that this morning? Don't you see that's why Satan has attacked the home today? It's because it is the foundation. Don't you see that's why Satan has attacked marriage today? It is because it is a foundation. Don't you see that's why Satan has, has attacked the idea of a godly father today? It is because it is the foundation. 53% of live births in America today will be to unwed parents, and most of those the dad's going to check out. The largest number of, of young people in United States history say that they see no need to ever get married, and they're living together in the absence of marriage. States today are redefining what it even is to be marriage, married. And Satan has attacked the biblical family today and he's done it by removing the biblical father today. Oh, what we need on Father's Day 2018, listen, what we need on this Father's Day today, we need for dads to love Jesus Christ and we need for dads to know the gospel of Jesus Christ and we need for dads to stand on the truth of God's word and we need dads to wake up in this day and to rise up in this day and to stand in the midst of a wicked generation. Oh, that God would move in the hearts of men in this day. Dear brother, why not let it be in you? Why not let it be in me? Why not let it be in us? Oh, dear brother. Our men today can sit around 
And they can recite statistics on every sport team that come on ESPN. And grown men can sit around and they can talk for hours about who's the greatest of all time, LeBron James or Michael Jordan. And we've got a false idea of what success is today. We've got a false idea of what manhood is today. And our homes today are failing. Our families today are being led into the cesspool of this culture. And our kids today are perishing. And the average age of a kid to watch hardcore pornography is nine years old. And they're doing it on the phones that we give them while we sit there and stare at ours. And into that darkness, God speaks. Into that darkness, God speaks. Listen to verse 4 now. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, I'm going to break this verse down. Fathers, fathers. It is a Greek word that has a very interesting meaning. It means this. Listen very carefully. One who imparts life and is committed to it. You see, it's not just one that that produces an offspring. It's one that, that imparts life and is committed to it. It literally translates this. The literal translation is this. Upholder. Upholder. Dad, do you know that you're the upholder of your family? Dad, do you know that you're the upholder of your kids and it's, it's your job to uphold them? It's not your wife's job. It's not the church's job. It's not somebody else's job. When the storms of life shall come, when the trials of life shall come, when the temptations of life shall come, you are the one that is to stand on the truth of God's word and it's your hands, Dad, that is to hold them up. You're the upholder. I see today wives that are hurt and they try to cover it up, but they're hurt. See kids today, so many little kids and they're hurt and they try, they try to cope and they're resilient so they try to, they try to recalibrate somehow and they, they try to act tough, but, but their little hearts are hurt and I look at these little kids and, and they're hurting inside and I'll just tell you the reason is we've lost our upholders today. Dads, you are the one who's to uphold your kids. We've lost our upholders today. It says, fathers, do not provoke Provoke means to rouse or to stir up or to exasperate. That's what it means. Do not provoke your children to anger. Now, what that means is do not put in your children a deep-seated anger. Do not build into the hearts of your children a deep-seated resentment. We see that happen in the hearts of these little kids. There's an anger that's brewing and there's an anger that's growing. Fathers, do not provoke, do not stir up in their little hearts a deep-seated resentment. Now, how does that happen? Some say that it's from excessive punishment. And I I was reading a deal and it said that over-the-top punishment, excessive punishment 
puts an anger in them. And do not be so hard on your kids that you exasperate them, that you build an anger into their hearts. Let me just tell you, it could mean that. And I think in some cases, it probably does mean that. We've seen that. But listen to me today. It means a whole lot more than that. Let me tell you some other ways that you put anger in the hearts of your kids, that you build resentment in the hearts of your kids. Another one is a lack of punishment. You see, your kids are looking for guidance. Your kids are looking for direction. They're looking for somebody to set boundaries. Oh, your kids are trying to make it in an evil world and they have all these influences and oh, that somebody would give me the path. Oh, that somebody would illumine the path and your kids are looking for a path. They're looking for guidelines. And when they find none, it builds anger. Ask a teacher here today. Today, 2018, you find kids that are rebellious and you find kids that are mean and I'm talking little young little kids and they're mean and they have sharp tongues, they're smart elk little kids and they're angry little kids. You find these kids and, and you can hardly teach them, you can hardly break through to them. They're, they're mean and they're angry little kids. Let me tell you, 99% of the time, it's not because there was too much punishment, it's because there was no punishment. And they're looking for a dad to say, you know what, I love you and I love you so much that I'm gonna, I'm gonna help correct you and I'm gonna lead you according to the Bible's guidelines. And when that's missing, you know what? They have a resentment in their heart. Yeah, they can run wild. Yeah, they can act in rebellion. But it puts a rebellious resentment in their hearts. Another puts anger in them it's a lack of approval from the dad. It's that they were never good enough in the eyes of their dad. And I'll just tell you, your, your kids need to feel loved. Your kids need to feel valuable. Your kids need to feel like they are needed. And I'll just tell you, listen very carefully, for boys, oh, those boys, they need the approval of their dad. They need, they need to feel necessary to their dad. But you listen to me, especially with girls, especially with girls. They need to know that my dad thinks the world of me. Oh, my dad, whatever happens, my dad values me. My dad loves me. And it's not just in a word, but it's also in his actions. And when they feel something else, it breeds anger. And when they go and they're never good enough and they're never satisfied in the context of their dad, it builds an anger inside of them. Let me tell you another one. It's a lack of security. A lack of security builds a resentment in your kids. We live in a world where nothing is sure today. We live in a world where nothing lasts today. Oh, this will last, it doesn't last. We live in a world where nothing stands up today, nothing holds up today. Our kids need to know there is not one need that my dad will not provide. Your kids need to grow up in that assurance. There is not one need. Now listen, I said need. There's not one need that my daddy won't provide for me. Listen, the government's robbed that from us. It's not their job to raise your kids. It's not the church's job to raise your kids. It's nobody's job to raise your kids. They need to know the needs of my home are met through the hands and the work of my dad. Not only that, they need to know that their dad is a man of his word. And if my daddy tells me something, I can count on it. 
They can't trust anybody's word in this messed up culture. They didn't know, brother, I can trust the words of my dad. And if my daddy says it, I can take it to the bank. And when I can't turn anywhere else, and when I can't trust anyone else, I can trust my dad and there's security in my dad. If it's not there, it builds anger. I couldn't trust him. I couldn't turn to him. I had nobody and yes, I may be self-made, but there's an anger deep-seated inside of me. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But, don't do that, but do this. Bring them up. The original word here, the original language means to nourish. Now listen to this. Bring them up. But here's what you do, Dad. You bring them up. You nourish them. It translates to deliver to maturity. To deliver to maturity. It literally means this, to raise your kids. To deliver your kids to maturity, to take them and to raise them up. Doesn't it make sense why father means upholder? Your job is to raise your kids, to feed into those kids, to nourish those kids, to put the things in the lives of those kids that they come to Christian maturity. You're to raise your kids. How? It says in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline is a word that means training. I think it's very interesting, these two words and how they overlap. It means training, and it includes correction. So train your kids in the training of the Lord. Discipline your kids in the discipline of the Lord. It means this, you're to lead your kids in the things of God. You're to guide them. You're to correct them in the things of God. Now see this, this discipline, this training, it's not an event. It's not a one-time happening. You wouldn't say, we're going to practice for football on Monday. We're going to play a game on Friday. That would never work. It is, it is a long-term process. It is the process of training your kids. It is the process of walking with those little kids and walking as they grow into bigger kids and then walking with a teenager kid and training them in the things of the Lord, correcting them if necessary in the ways of the Lord. Fathers, you're to walk and you're to set the example and you're to teach them in the truth of our Savior. Be sure, if you are not actively, seriously, deeply walking with the Lord, you can't do it. You see, you can't lead where you haven't been. You can't lead where you're not going. You can't walk if you're not walking. You can't send them down the path and holler from behind them. They're not going to listen. Listen, if you're not deeply, seriously walking with our Savior Jesus, you're not going to be able to lead your kids, to train your kids in the process of the, of the walk. But when you are, you're to walk out your days training your kids in the ways of the Lord. says then, discipline 
and instruction of the Lord. And instruction of the Lord. Now, instruction literally translates putting in mind. That's the literal translation. Instruction of the Lord, putting in mind. Another translation says to counsel a person's reasoning, to shape their thinking. Now, to disciple them, to discipline them, means to train them. You model that. You walk with them. But now to instruct them, you're not just walking with them. You're not just modeling it for them. Now you are teaching them. You are instructing them. You're putting into their mind the things of the Lord. Now, I want you to listen very carefully here, very specifically. The instruction of the Lord, listen, in our day is talking about the Word of God, the Bible. That's how you teach your kids. That's how you train your kids. Listen, men, the primary place where your kids are to learn the Bible, it's not in the church. It's not on a Wednesday night in discipleship group. It's not in a 30-minute sermon. The primary place that your kids are to learn the Bible is in your home, and that's not all. And you are to be the primary teacher. Dad, how do you protect them? I just tell you, I look around and I look see my three little kids and I, I see the, the pitfalls of this world. I see the, the crazy, sorry stuff of this world and I wonder, how am I ever going to protect them? Oh, God, that you'd protect them. God, how am I going to protect them? How am I going to guide them? So many people have their ears. So many things are coming at them. How am I going to guide them? How am I going to build them? How am I going to set a foundation? How am I going to stack upon that foundation? How do I protect them? How do I uphold them? Oh, Satan is coming for them. How do I uphold them? Listen, you teach them the word of God. That has always been God's plan. You do it in your home. It's nobody's job. It's your home's job. And you are the primary teacher in that home. Satan's robbed that from us. I'm talking generations now. He's robbed that from us. How many people can say, I learned the Bible in my home and my dad was the one that taught it to me. Satan's robbed it from us. We pull up at McDonald's and we tell them what we want. And we pull up to a window and they hand it out the window. And we're trying to raise our kids in the admonition of the Lord in the same way. And we come up somewhere and we drop our kids off somewhere. And we hope on top of hope that somebody inside is going to teach them. I don't know what they're teaching them in there. I hope on top of hope. I hope on top of hope that somehow it gets and it takes with them. I hope on top of hope that it builds a foundation. Listen, it is our job. It is my job. I'm the dad. That's how you protect them. You teach them the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Nothing new. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. That's your individual response. Listen, that's me, that's you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. These words which I'm commanding you shall be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And you shall talk about them when you sit at the house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up again. 
And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on the frontals of your forehead, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The home is where we protect them by teaching them God's word. The home is where we equip them by teaching them God's word. And it is the dad who is the primary teacher in that home. Why is that a big deal? Satan knows it's a big deal. He sure has attacked it. Why why is that a big deal today? And maybe it's just so I could make everybody feel bad on Father's Day. Man, we sure we've messed everything up here on Father's Day. Why is this the biggest of deals? Dads, men's listen. It is because in teaching them the word of God that you introduce them to Jesus. You see, the hope of our culture. Oh, this sorry culture, the hope of our culture is Jesus. The hope of the church is Jesus. The hope of the home, oh, that there be a revival in our homes. The hope of the home is Jesus. Dad, your only hope is in Jesus and the only hope your kids are ever gonna have when you teach them the word of God, you introduce them to Jesus. And so Paul tells them, in this darkness, In this crud, in this perverse and evil time, in the brokenness of this time, in the hurt of this time, in the the brokenheartedness of this time, in the hopelessness of this time, Dad, carry your kids to Jesus. Carry your kids to Jesus. That's what it's about. Oh, that you would uphold them in your hands. Oh, that you would stand on the truth of God's word, that you would deliver them safely home. Lead your kids to Jesus. That's why it matters. That's why Satan has attacked it. That is our call today. Men, pick up your kids and carry them to Jesus. Let's pray. Deputy Father, we come. And I read these verses, this verse. I read the first word, upholder. And I see where our generation and the generation before and the generation before, we've been robbed of our Christian upholders. And as dads, as men, we've been lied to about what a man looks like and what a man's role is. And we've given over the job of Christian upholder. And I ask right now that you forgive me, that you forgive us, but it doesn't end there, that you'd renew us, that you'd retrain us, that you'd refocus us. I pray for the men in this room, whatever stage of life, if you have kids or grandkids, or if your kids are raising kids, if you're an influence somewhere, I pray that as men, we would say, you know what, oh, I may have missed it, but you know what, the truth still holds. Oh, it may not be too late in your home, the truth still holds. God's word is to be trained in the home, and that's gonna be my home. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I pray for men's hearts to change on Father's Day 2018 that our our minds would change that we would pick up our kids and carry them to Jesus. Lord, I pray for women, wives, that are having to do it without a husband.
without a godly husband and fa father in the home. And I pray that, that they would find, and I know they will, their strength and their guidance from you. I pray that that situation might change, but I, I pray for a woman that's taking on not just her job, but some man's job. I pray for men here today that we would be renewed and encouraged, not, not ground up, but we'd be strengthened that this is our call and it ends with the Savior, Jesus. I pray for my home. I pray that I would be who I ought to be to my wife. And I pray that I'd be who I ought to be to my little kids. And I pray that at the door of my house that they would know Jesus Christ is our Lord, our Savior, our Lord, I ask in this time of invitation that you would freely move. That you would freely speak. I pray that your, your word would continue to convict us. I pray for some in this room that do not know Jesus Christ. I pray that today they would put their faith in our Savior. Lord, I ask that you would move and it would be for your glory. So we open our hands and submit this time to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.